podcast your big questions get real answers my name is matt king i'm your host here in the city of chicago join me here is glenn fitzgerald the president of mission usa i'm doing this under protest fair enough also joining us jeb brewer director mission mission usa productions i i i don't know what we're protesting but i'm ready i'll tell you what we're protesting jed i have a guest that glenn is protesting the fact that we are not joined by lee younger one of the pastor crash Community church this week he's on special assignments at this at the moment i believe uh lee is in a plane over the atlantic or the pond. Okay. Some of our British listeners may probably not refer to it. That's probably one of those things that only happens in movies where American people have written British people trying to be British. Sure. But he was uh, speaking at a Young Life staff conference in Madrid. Wow. Because Lee is very fancy. And he's on his way back. But we'll have more on that next week, I'm sure. But for the moment, he is not joining us. And Glenn, I assume that is your protest? My protest is it's not a real show if Lee isn't on it. You're saying this is like a fake podcast. It's like a fake. It's all it's a like, charade. It's a it's well a played. sham. It's a it. it you been hoodwinked, bamboozled. It's a it's it's just a forget about it. Does it, does that make us all phonies? You're phonies. You're fakes. It's a it's a it's a sham. Wow. Well, I mean, should we even bother trying to answer questions today? Or yeah, I think we just go ahead on. Okay, this sure. Well, that's know, that's good. Uh, this is one of the things where he wants to get on the record. On sure. the record. I am under protest. Sure. Well, you know, I know you said we're going to get into it next week, so I'm going to, yeah, I just want to hit a you know, just couple of key points, you know, because sure. he's in Europe right now or was, you know, very recently. Freedom. Right. America. America. Sure. Uh-huh. Wait for it. Liberty. Sure. Liberty. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. that's what I believe in. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, I just want to put that out for there. Me, Nobody in Europe's ever heard of freedom or liberty. That's why we gave a statue of liberty to the French. <laughs> I let me just put this out there. Hit it, freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Freedom isn't free. Dang straight. That works out. Um, I think that's why we raise all the taxes and stuff. I'm not sure, well, yeah. but uh, I mean, uh, unless you're a corporation, in which case you don't pay actually any taxes, and your freedom is literally free. You- <laughs> America. Yes. Yep. Uh, bald eagle. Yes, sure. you know what I'm saying. Yes, star spangled banner. Okay, sure. Okay. And uh, Homer's brave. Totally. Absolutely. That's what I'm about. Let me ask you this. Right. Let me ask you this. Yeah. It's the home of the brave. If it was a land of a certain kind of people, right. What kind of people would that be? A uh, land. I'm going to go with land of the. Of, like of the free, I would say. Yeah, you that's know. it, right? Would you there. say that, that if right? you were putting that in a song before, like maybe a play a baseball game, the word "free" would have about eight syllables on an ascending scale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to cheat the people on the free. No, what I'm saying is 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 for me. Yeah, it's all about America. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I care about this podcast. Sure. Yeah. And I care about keeping this podcast American. Absolutely right. You know what I mean? Well, that you know that raises a good question. Can we trust Lee Younger to return to this podcast Let's, after his time not in America? Uh, the, you know what? It's an infiltration. It clearly it may reach the level of insurgency. <laughs> okay, because that's a fun word. That's a fun word just to throw out there on this thing that's going to go up on the internet. I'm sure, that'll go great. <laughs> what? Hello, what, NSA people who listen now. Here, here's what happens is. He's he's over there in Europe, right? Uh, and uh, uh, here's what I know about Europe. Tell me, loafers with no socks. Absolutely right. You understand what I'm saying? Socialism. Uh huh. And um, uh, they call soccer football, right? And they they don't know what football is. Here's what we know about Europe: they take a hundred weeks of vacation a year, mandated by law. Right. Okay, so my question is: Is Lee even going to be available to do the podcast again? He, he's gonna, you know what? He's probably going to be is like on some sort of worker strike. Yeah, yeah, because that's like how he is now. Yeah, you know, you know. Uh, and that's why I love America. That's right, freedom. Sure, freedom. I think we should say more things against unionized labor here in the city of Chicago. <laughs> That'll go great for us. On that basis, I declare an emergency. 
Right on. Um, we have, you know, uh, occasionally, usually we like to just get down straight to the wisdom. Totally. Sure. Uh, and that's my main thing. It's like, hey, guys, let's, let's, you know, let's focus here. Enough lollygagging. Exactly right. But what happens is occasionally we have people write into us and they're, they're dealing with emergency level crises related to not just the show itself, but specifically to listening to the show. Because you can't just listen to this show willy nilly. Not at all. Sure. It's not like you can say, ah, oh, well, just, you know, I'll just put it on and see what happens. N- no. You're yeah. saying you need some kind of regulation and health and safety. I, that's exactly mm, how what I'm European of you. <laughs> you, you. You might need some form of like a, a loud uh, yellow reflective sure, vest, a high of visibility some sort. jacket. Yeah. So uh, we have a, 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 one of our podcasts, a listener slash superfan person write in uh, some really important safety tips. So, so Matt, could you, could you read that off to us verbatim? Indeed we did. We, this came in anonymous to our Tumblr inbox for reasons that will become clear why this person may not have wanted to uh, put their name onto this. It says verbatim, su- suggested Say That Podcast emergency topic. Huh. Do not listen to the Say That Podcast while plucking your eyebrows. Mm. <laughs> if they say something funny... You might hurt yourself quite a bit. That's rich. That is a safety issue. I think, um, I, first of all, Anonymous, thank you for bringing this important issue. I think to if you know attention. Anonymous, it might not be that hard to ID them if you see them in the <laughs> real world within a couple of days after having written this. Look, you're, this is what, look, looking we, very surprised at all times. Look, we've all been there. You're trying to basically, you know, shape this eyebrow appropriately. Right. You're going in there and you're doing some precision plucking. Right. Well, you got the podcast on, and here's what's happening. You've got your jocularity. Mm. You've got your amazing wisdom, which Totes. you're probably shouting amen to at the top of your lungs. Or whatnot. You have moments where you're just stunned by amazing insights. Yeah. You know, so much so that your body is going into various types of involuntary spasms, you know, jumping up and down mm. with joy and happiness, so on and so forth. You simply cannot properly shape an eyebrow and pluck it in a precision way right? while dealing with all these things. Absolutely right. If we've said it once, people, we've said it a thousand times. Please do not try and deal with eyebrow plucking while listening to the podcast. It's just common sense. It makes sense. Well, that's absolutely right. I think there's the safety aspect, but I think there's also, for us, on our side of things, a marketing opportunity. Tell me. Mm. Talking about swag. Okay. okay. Talking about products. Okay. Right. Talking about new beauty innovations. Okay. Right. Okay. You know, as we all know, the cosmetic industry, even in the midst of, a de- of an economic downturn, tends to do quite well. Right. right. So what I'm talking about, maybe, just first, I'm going to throw this idea out there. If you don't like it, you throw it right back. Okay. This, is, this is blue sky thinking. Right. Some kind of self-regulating gyroscope-enabled eyebrow plucker. Yeah. yeah. So that when you get the giggles, as you do, sure. that quick jerk on your hand doesn't feel the reverberation in your eyebrow plucking. Nice. Yeah. Now, this is going to be quite a sophisticated piece of equipment. It may take a little time, but I think we can pull it off. Absolutely. I mean, we got these people in the lab right now, and they're not doing much of anything right now. No, I, I think you're... I mean, uh, we hired them just to wear the white coats and make Glenn feel important. <laughs> right. They have beakers, but it's pretty much just pouring the thing from the one beaker to the other. Sure, absolutely. And then Glenn will walk back through, and they'll pour that from that beaker back into the other. Well, I, I don't know uh, a lot of the things you're describing now, but I think you're <laughs> right. There's a sense of um, we need technology to catch up with these struggles that we're having. Absolutely right. Uh, I think sort of a motion stabilized camera that's you know maybe uh, tied in with a basic tweeze technology. Sure. Tweezbot. Yeah, Tweezbot. I think is the perfect name for this product. Sure, absolutely. But beyond that, fellas, we've opened ourselves what you might call the proverbial can of worms. Oh, because um, one of the things that we we have been remiss about that we haven't gotten into is say that beauty tips. Okay. Hmm. You're, you're, you're putting your face together in the morning. 
you got your whole routine, you got your whole regimen. You know, you you need to know what sure. what sort of choices to make. Sure, here, sure, sure, know? absolutely. So, Jen, what would you say is your most important beauty tip? Well, I think um, I'm glad, uh, Glenjamin, that you asked. Mm. Um, I think that the word of God is clear. That I know this voice. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of excited to see how he spins this one into this. The proper adornment for a young lady is a quiet spirit. Wow, uh, that that is the kind of jewelry she should put on in the morning. I knew, I knew it was coming out. <laughs> I knew it was going to be legalistic, Jed. Just the voice. <laughs> Here, here's what I'm saying, and uh, I, I say this all the time, uh, and I think it bears repeating, and there should be some focus on it. Not everybody can pull off a smoky eye. It's That's, true. You know, you it, do say that. You you just need to know: Do you have the proper coloring for the smoky eye? You see what I'm saying? Sure, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, the same goes if you're talking about you know the other end of things. If you're if you're talking footwear, footwear, sometimes you know uh, we need to recognize espadrilles on their way out. Sure. I mean, it was a flash in the pan. We all knew it was going to be here. Now, now they're on their way out. Kitten heels are coming back in. This is, you know, I feel confident in saying that's where we're going. With sure. Uh, Put the Uncle Glenn stamp approval on that. I, I do, and you know, a lot of people are are like, "What? You know that? Where did that even come from?" But you know what? That, that's what this whole podcast is all about. Is we take a stand on the tough issues. Sure, absolutely. Um, be they, you know, spiritual, theological, or footwear related. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's um, uh, also. I've been I have a in, feeling that kitten heel being one of the search terms for the, this episode is going to take things into a really odd territory. Yeah. <laughs> also, you know, um, something I think never fully, fully caught on that I think would be great for us as uh, podcast people. You know, as 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 the on-air personalities, right? Sure, yeah. would be to the talent, uh, as you insist on the, referring to yourself. Ex- exactly right. I think uh, w- we haven't properly explored the fashion development known as jeggings. Oh, you got to rock the jeggings, man! Come on, sure. I think this show would be so much better if all of us on it were wearing jeggings while doing the recording. Oh, I'm ready. Well, I'll wear them right now. I mean, you can't see them because they're under the actual pair of jeans I have, but they're there. I, well, I, that I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I feel like I've got the legs for it. You know, totally. So that's, uh, you know, and and it's about, you know, it's about it's about being body positive. Absolutely. You know I mean? Well, I think we should just go all the way and have, you know, Uncle Glenn debuts this false looks. You there know, you go. Jeggings plus kitten heels with a tasteful smoky eye. Sure. Okay. I'll but get the with, camera. But with right? commentary by uh, Legalistic Jed on all of it. Exactly <laughs> right. All right. Exactly right. We got ourselves a hit. I think, you know, look out for that coming as soon as we get approval from our wives. <laughs> Which is not so never. <laughs> but seriously, don't poke your eye out. Yeah, that's, that's bad. Uh, that... I'm glad you circled back to that, Jed, because that's the main thing we want to stress. Here. Safety first. Safety first. Please, when listening to this podcast, always wear eye protection. Yes. That, we, we we can only say it so many times. We need for you to comply on that. Well, I think that brings us back to the product idea. Can we, because, you know, the gyroscopic, the gyroscope-enabled uh, tweezers that d- will never hurt you is a great idea, but that's going to be, that's going to be R&D. That's going to be pat, that's going to be lo- laid down at the patent office for years and sure. years. Can we just take those goggles you used to have in chemistry class, yeah. slap a logo on them and call it a day? I think that's, you, you got a winner there. Or here's some vertical integration. Tell me. You want to cover everything. We have those on the one end, but let's say someone doesn't get to it in time. They 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 get brave. Sure. They get in a hurry. Whatever. Say that eye patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great for Halloween. It's great for when you need to cover up. Yeah, the giant wound right above your eye. <laughs> yeah, you because you, Glenn said kitten heels, and you almost stabbed yourself. Yeah, you just you just basically scalped your face. <laughs> 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 and on that note, 
I feel we must declare emergency <laughs> off. Uh, yeah. Scalped your face is always going to lead to emergency off. Well done. I can't think of any possible way to get from that into bridge box. I really can't. It's like scalping your face for Jesus. No, I think trying is only going to hurt both the, both the bit and the bridge box pitch. <laughs> so you know, I don't think you got a bridge box pitch last week in our best of depression episode, which we hope you checked out. So maybe you've forgotten in the interim week what bridge box is. Lucky, luckily for you, I'm here to explain. Bridgebox is our monthly subscription service. You pay $8 a month. You get songs, sermons, videos, Bible studies, guest devotionals by experts in the field, and all sorts of other cool stuff based around a particular topic. This month, October 2014's topic, November 2014's topic is, what do I say to a person in pain? It's all about kind of people in your life who want uh, some consolation, want some help. Maybe they come to you. Uh, What are the things you should say? Just some general ground rules of how to help, even if you don't necessarily know the content stuff to say, the attitude the kind of godly stuff. We get a lot of stuff to help you out on that. Get one of those every month. That's missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Even though he has forsaken us for the sunny, sunny shores of Madrid, I'll also put in a little plug for missionusa.com slash BBLY. That's Lee's branded bridgebox. You can check that out. Both are $8 a month. All right, let's get into our first question Ooh. here. Came in to our Tumblr. It says, do we need to wait for God to call us to help people or do we just jump in and serve whenever someone needs help? I find myself eager to help anyone who I think I can serve, and then I find myself overbooked with people in my life who I'm mentoring, helping out in other ways, etc. I fill my free time with helping as many people as I can and then feel exhausted and resentful. Help. Glenn, can you kick us off on this? Absolutely. I think the, the main thing is uh, if, you're, if you're pouring yourself and your life out, you need something or someone that pours back into you. Yes. Mm-hmm. That needs to be in proportion. That, that needs to be... Um, uh, something where you you have something that's renewing you, that's refreshing you, that's being fed spiritually, being in a good church, etc., and so on, uh, uh, having good fellowship, especially. But it's also doing just fun stuff, absolutely. You know, uh, so that's video game time, gym time, reading comic books if you're into that. Uh, so that uh, you know, having something fun that you're doing. Uh, allows you to, to recharge those batteries to shift those gears. And that's the kind of stuff the people on this podcast do. We, no doubt. you know, we work hard at what we do. We work very long, very crazy hours, very late hours often. Uh, but we also, uh, work hard at our playtime as well. We get sure. out and we have fun. We fellowship with one another. Uh, we make sure that, uh, we have something that's feeding back into us. Absolutely. And one of the reasons you have to do that is uh, not only to get yourself refilled, but you can't actually give away things you're not getting. So if people aren't pouring into you, you can't help out other people, right, Jared? Well, absolutely. Well, I think one of the things that's easy to uh, get mistaken is to look at yourself as the answer man. You know, people Mm -hmm. are coming to me for the wisdom. That's why you're. But that's actually not it. You know, people far more are coming to you um, because they see in you a sense of calm. A sense of peace, a sense of joy. Um, that that's what's actually drawing them to you. And if you don't have those things, you can't share those things. And that's I want to be clear. That's not a statement that should be guilt-inducing because of uh, two reasons. A, none of us generate peace or joy in ourselves. We don't will those right. into being. The second is they're available in infinite supply from the Lord. It's a matter of going and getting them. Right. Right. Um, and it's a matter. And and this is the key thing: getting a little bit often. As opposed mm-hmm. to, yes, I'm going to yes. try and have one mountaintop experience every six months yeah. and ride that. I'm going to try, if it's not every day, every couple of days to have stuff that refills me and, yeah. and builds me back up, helps me restore that sense of calm, restore that sense of peace. Um, because again, if it's not in there, at a certain point, i got to look at this other person and say, I, I just don't have anything for you. Right. Uh, and we and we don't want to be there. I mean, for the person who wrote in this question, you have a heart to serve. Uh, you, you have a heart to, to help people. But... Um, uh, that selflessness requires self-care along the way. Um, if you're not taking care of yourself when you're not with those people, you're not able to be selfless when you're with those people. That's absolutely right. I would tack onto that. You also, it's a lot easier to pour out to people when you are getting poured into, both by God but by other people, because you yeah. know what that looks like. You, yes. if you have to know what it is to receive counsel and wisdom and advice and take that and what that process looks like mm. before you can effectively mentor other people. Cause yeah. otherwise you're just kind of taking stabs in the dark. And right. Unfortunately, a lot of people who maybe go through seminary or do some other thing where they're just thrust into a position of leadership without ever actually having been discipled. 
they're really put in an unfair situation of trying to guess what kind of advice a person needs because they've never been in that situation. But also there's a thing, I think the Jed's pointing to one of the misconceptions of always do more. And what actually there's a temptation to get pushed further into stuff, right? Absolutely right. This old ministry saying uh, that uh, you'll hear uh, old timers like me say that uh, if the devil can't... No, Glenn, you're not old. You will be young forever. Thank you, Matt. That's so nice of you to say. Uh, the uh, old ministry is saying if the devil can't pull you out, he'll push you deeper in. Yeah. Simple mm-hmm. concept. Um, if the, the if the devil can't tempt you to be distracted uh, away from helping people, uh, he will get you in a position where you overload yourself, you get uh, to a point of, uh, as you say, where you're exhausted and you're resenting all these people who are vying for your attention you feel like they're just kind of sucking you dry and all that. And the devil has put you in a position where he's pushed you deeper into this. So you're overloading yourself and you're burning yourself out. And uh, that's as much of a problem. Uh, and that takes as many people out as yeah. as it does yeah. uh, people who uh, come to that fork in the road and decide not to participate. So uh, it's always a matter of balance. That's always, always what we're looking for is making sure um, that we, we find those outlets uh, that allow us to keep going. That's absolutely right. And part of, I think, the idea that comes from is this kind of modern, it's not a modern church idea, but it is definitely a church idea, and maybe Western church, that more is more. Yeah. You know, if, it, if, if a little is good, more is better. And that's actually not the way Jesus dealt with his own life, right, Jed? Oh, absolutely. When, when you look at the example of Jesus, the Scripture says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus, if you think about it, I I think one of the things that drives this question is a sense of there's so many people in need and I I know at least a little bit of the answer. So how can I Mm -hmm. how can I say no? I mean, how can I you know make these people wait? Well, Jesus, that was true times a million. I mean, he could heal any illness. He could solve any problem. He was he was God. Um, And yet he had the wisdom to say, I can't do that for people 24 hours a day. Um, I've got to go and just be by myself, get some downtime, connect with my father, you know, have some solitude. In addition to that, Jesus also spent a lot of time going to parties. Um, yeah, he, you know, preached big sermons and whatnot, but he also just went and hung out with people and just, you know, had a good time and, you know, uh, ate and drank and, you know, we presume cut up and had a good time with people. Uh, his example is one of balance. Um, you know, when we, as you're pointing out, in the modern church, we've basically said the more Christian someone is, the busier they are, you know, the yep. more overbooked they are. And, and you can tell, look at pastor. Because sure. that's that's how pastor does, but but Jesus's example was one of balance, and, and and that's really the thing is again that Jesus wasn't putting himself so much out as the answer man, even though he could clearly do that. But he was setting an example for other people that's to right. follow. Right. Yeah. Do what I do, and that's true for you too. Is setting an example of balance, setting an example of composure, where your life is properly proportioned, and other people can follow that example and have a healthy life themselves. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, Glenn, you mentioned the idea of balance versus burnout. Mm-hmm. I think we've gotten some good ideas of what a balance looks like. Can you maybe give us a couple of ideas of kind of maybe if even from your own personal experience, what being on the <laughs> yeah. edge of burnout starts to look and feel like? Well, I th- this person put their finger right on it of resentful. I mean, there there comes a point where uh, you, you get to the place where you feel like um, you need a break. You know you need a break. And people are still coming to you saying, hey, I need this. Hey, I need that. Uh, and you're, you realize I missed a good moment, three or four beats back to set up a boundary and say, actually, this is my day off. Yep. I'm not doing this today. Yep. And, and if you want to know what I'm doing, I'm sitting here in my pajamas with my iPad and I'm killing zombies. And I am going to be doing that for six hours. Then I'm going to dig in my belly button and eat about a half a gallon of ice cream and watch a movie on Netflix. And then I'm going to pass out on the couch. So I can't help you with what you're doing today, but call me tomorrow. It's not that me doing those things is more important than helping you. It's that if I don't take me time, I'm not going to be there for, I'm not going to be able to be there for you. Uh, And that's incredibly hard for us to say. It's hard for me to do that. It's hard for me to assert that. Um, Uh, and as Jed's pointing out, there's a bit of an ethos today of you'd be embarrassed to admit you're not busy. Yeah, you know yeah. that the, the, you you have to appear to be busy all the time. You're almost embarrassed to say I'm taking a day off. I'm you know whatever. 
But but we have to set that example, as Jed's saying. That's really right, gentlemen. Well, the thing about resentment reminded me, and I think this is really worth pointing out. One of the things that this happens, particularly to people that are new to doing ministry, even if it's volunteer, professional, doesn't matter if they're if they're new to it. One of the things that leads to resentment is um, when you're dealing with people who are presenting themselves as looking to change, but are not looking to change. Yeah. Uh, let me let me explain what I mean about that. Young Christians, particularly when they're new to trying to minister to other people, are drawn almost magnetically to the least ready-to-change person they can find in their orbit. Yeah. Um, the, the person— well, I'm going to go down to the angry atheist meeting and preach to them because that's on. hardcore. Exactly right. He's, he's a triple atheist who hates puppies. I'm going to win him over. Right. Um, this is the thing. This is, and we're actually, um, we have a staff meeting kind of right before we do this podcast. We we're just talking about this there. One of the most important principles of ministry, you know, if you're going to be ministering with people, is always keep the ball in their court. Yeah. Where it's always about the next step is theirs to take. It's not, it's not yours to take. That means helping them understand the road ahead of them, but it also means saying, here's what's before you. Here's the decision that's before you. I have your back. Let me know when you're ready to move forward. Uh, let let me know when when you're actually going to take a forward step. Right. Here's why that's important. There are people that will present to you. They're you know they're they're ready to be ministered to and are not looking to make any changes of any kind. They right, right. they want sympathy. They want attention. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they're not looking to make changes. The goal of ministry is to help people move forward. That's right. that's actually the goal. If you're coming into a situation looking to help someone move forward and they're not looking to move forward, you're going to resent them. Right, it's, yeah. it's it's only a matter of time. You're going to resent them and you're going to burn out. Yeah, you're going to feel like your time has been wasted here. Exactly right. So one of the things that we want to get in a habit of checking, and really, particularly if you're new, it's talking through with a mentor, with a pastor, is here's how it's going with Joe Bob or Susie or whoever. Yes. Yes. Does this seem like a person who's actually trying to make changes? Yes. Does this seem like a person who's actually trying to move forward? Because right. it's easy to have that be a blind spot. E- even yes. for us today, we've been doing this work a long time. Yeah. It's easy for that to be a blind spot for us. We regularly check with each other. Yeah. Do you think this person's actually trying to move forward or not? Yeah, I'm getting frustrated with this dude, but is that just because it's moving too slow? Or or is this just a bad idea? That he's just not ready, and I'm pressing it. I need to put the ball in his court. You know, Yeah, that that it really is good to be able to bounce that off somebody. Absolutely right. And just to be clear, that doesn't mean that if they don't meet the standard for ready to move forward, you just drop tucking them all together. Yeah, of course not. But what Jed means about putting the ball in their court is, in a very concrete way, a very concrete example, let's say there's someone who, in your life, who is just totally unhappy with their lack of dating life. And they're, you know, they're, they're complaining about it, and they're, woe is me about it, which makes sense, as we've talked about a lot, Christian dating culture is utterly jacked up, and it's really not your fault. Um Setting a firm boundary and putting the ball in their court looks like instead of going out for coffee with them and listening to them complain about it for three hours for the 80th time, you send them an email with the link to the, hey, it's it's the free sign-up month on eHarmony. Yep. Right. And the next time they'll call you and say, I'm really bummed on my dating thing. Did you, did you sign up the eHarmony thing? No, I haven't done that yet. Okay, well, when you, when you do that, call me. Right. Call me and we'll talk about that. It'll yep. give, it gives them something to do. We're not talking right. about dropping people. The no. idea of putting the ball in their court is giving them something often and most and in the best way something simple but that just takes a little effort on their end and then you get moving forward and one thing i want to as we wrap this up go back to something glenn was talking about with the day off idea because one of the things you best things you can do for yourself is is structure your downtime in a certain way as glenn pointed out uh, all of us on this podcast that includes lee even though he's not here have a day off and if you're not on fire or do doing something that's going to lead to a five-figure donation to this ministry. Right. Do not call any of us on Wednesday. <laughs> it's yes. not going to happen. That's right. And that's not to be mean or anything, but that's because there are very few things in this world that cannot wait a day. Yeah. And there are some of them, and we will sacrifice a day off. That's absolutely what it has to be. But that's just, it's easier to be ironclad about that. Because that's not saying no to lunch with someone. That's saying, I'm sorry, Wednesday is my day off. Right. If you kind of put it in those colossal terms and that's biblical that's a sabbath one out of seven days you're not doing anything you're just doing stuff yourself and that makes it easier so you don't have to do that kind of mental calculus on your own of can i fit one more thing in can i do this say nope not on blank day that's my day off thursday though yeah and you'll you'll find that if you take the time out and do that on if you have that conversation on thursday instead of wednesday you're going that's going to go a lot better for everyone it seems counterintuitive but the rest will pay the dividends in the long run. Amen. Amen. All right, move on to our next question here. It came into our email inbox from our friend Adam. It says, at work, I'm constantly plagued by self-doubt 
Am I smart enough to do this? Can I pull off this type of project again, etc.? I try to convince myself that I'm just being humble and not overestimating my abilities. But the other day, I had a non-Christian coworker tell me that I was acting out of fear, which definitely seems non-biblical. How do I embrace the abilities and skills God has blessed me with while keeping myself humble? Jed, can you start us off? I can, and I think the key here is knowing what the word humility means. Uh, And I I think you may have been given a bogus definition of it. Humility is not about thinking poorly of yourself. Um, Right. Humility is having a sense of who you are, strengths and weaknesses both, who God has made you, the things that he's given you gifts for, things that he has not given you gifts for, uh, what your growing edges are, um, kind of almost an inventory of who you are and, and where you're at as a person and accepting it. Being right. being at peace with it. Right. Um, if you can do that, uh, that's going to lead to peace, and it's going to lead to a couple of really key realizations. The first of all is, on a spiritual tip, the things God is calling you to do, you definitely cannot do. Right. Um, you right. do not have the strength to pull those off in yourself, and you're not meant to. That's right. Anything God is calling you to do is designed to be beyond your strength that's right. on on purpose. So that's that's thing one. We don't we don't have to worry about whether or not you can do the things God's calling you to do. You definitely can't right. apart from His strength. And right. With His strength, you can. In terms of day to day stuff, though, uh, you know, stuff at the workplace. Can you handle this project? Um, it means you either can handle it or you can't handle it. But fear actually doesn't make any sense. In other words. They say, we want you to handle the Jenkins account. Well, you either have the bandwidth and the ability to handle that project, which is good to acknowledge. That's not an unhumble thing. That's not a prideful thing to say, I know how to you know, use a spreadsheet and do Excel and that whole thing, so I can definitely handle that, which case there's nothing to be afraid of. Or you say, I actually either don't have the time to do that, I don't have room in my schedule, or I don't have the skill set to do that, that's something I need to learn about, or I don't have the the background knowledge to do it, in which case there's learning, so I need to push back on that and figure something out. Either way is fine, but the funny thing is fear doesn't actually get a voice anywhere in there. None of that is about fear. If I if I do have what it takes to do it, and again, this is really more in just a human sense. If I do have what it takes to do it, there's nothing to be fearful about. If I don't have what it takes to do it, I can fix that. I can acknowledge there are things I need to learn or I need to talk with my boss and you know clear some areas of my schedule. Those are fixable problems. But fear actually doesn't enter into that equation. So I think what we want to look at as a starting point is the moment that fear enters, that means that we have ceased to be humble. The moment fear enters, we've ceased to look with clarity at who we are, what God's given us, and where we're actually at in our lives, and and make decisions based on that. That's absolutely right, Glenn. There's something there Jed said that I'm wondering if you can unpack for us a little bit, which is the idea that humility means knowing you can't do it, whereas Mm. self-doubt is thinking you can't do it. Yeah. Which may seem a little flipped out, but can you kind of walk us through the practical idea of that? Absolutely. Uh, Exactly as Jed is saying, uh, there's a sense of... uh, if you're humble, you know where your limitations are. Yes. You know what your capabilities are. And you also have a sense of, um, uh, I know what, the, I, I know that God can do something with what I'm giving. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the kid that gives his sack lunch, the loaves and the fishes, and Jesus does something with it mm-hmm. and does something amazing. The, the kid needs to be aware I cannot feed 5,000 people. Exactly right. That's yeah. humility, is knowing I got some loaves, I got some fishes. That's there you my go. limitations. I'm willing to give all of it. The rest is up to God. That's yeah. how a humble person sees that situation, makes an honest assessment, says, I don't have what it takes, but I'm willing to give all that I have, and the rest is up to God. Uh, but what you're talking about is a, is, is a person with self-doubt, and a person with self-doubt says, Maybe I could do it. Probably not. But probably not. <clears throat> and the uncertainty of that becomes something I can wallow in. I can turn it around. I can think about it. I can go around yeah. and around. And I can ask a lot of other people to 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 talk me into it. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, your uh, your uh, non Christian coworker is exactly right. You're operating from a place of fear. And you're not going to get where you're going with that. 
Absolutely. Well, I think to build on that, I think part of what your non-Christian coworker is picking up on, and Christians are really bad at this, is you're kind of spiritualizing something unspiritual. Mm-hmm. In other words, if your boss comes to you and he says, can you put together a spreadsheet for the Jenkins account? That's not really a question of, do I need the strength of the Lord to handle that? Mm-hmm. That right, That's right. just... Do you know how to do the spreadsheet or not? Right. And I think part of what your non-Christian coworker is looking at is, dude, you're trying to get Jesus see, and you either know how to use Excel or you don't. Right. Th- this is not, you know, uh, if you're feeling afraid about that, that that is a fear issue, and, and that is something to look at. And it's that's not really a humility thing. That's not really a pride thing. That that is a self doubt thing. Whereas if you if your coworker if you're talking to your coworker and you said. You know, I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm looking at all the, the homeless people in our city, and I'm feeling like, you know, there's got to be a better way to make sure that they've got a warm place to sleep at night during the winter. And, um, you know, I don't know much, but I feel like I could, you know, do something about that. I know I don't have all the answers. I know I don't, you know, have what it takes just as one dude, but I feel like I could help be the spark that could make something happen there, and, and maybe, you know, something could, could come out of that. And, in that case, your secular coworker would agree with your assessment that you probably don't have what it takes in yourself to pull that off, so it would need to become something bigger than you. Right. But I think we have a way of trying to apply the attitudes we think would be humble towards human-sized problems instead of actual humility to God-sized problems. D- does that make sense to the yeah. two of you, what, yeah, I'm, what I'm describing there? Yeah. In, in other words, if we if we look at our just normal day-to-day life, just I'm going to get up, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to come back home, and we try to be humble, I probably couldn't pull that off. That's right. you know, We actually haven't gotten to humility yet. Oh, yeah, nowhere near. That that's Not only is that self-doubt, that's... Um, um, that's that's a kind of self doubt that actually doesn't exist all that much in the secular world um, because right. we're we're trying to find ways that we can't handle day to day life, right. whereas the kind of of godly humility that we're talking about here has a lot more to do with recognizing your own inadequacy in the face of the things God is calling to you that are bigger than you, right? That that are massively massively bigger than you, right. and I think we want to be clear about which which thing do I have self doubt about? Is this just normal day to day life stuff, or is this something? that is truly bigger than me that God is calling me to. Because there there has to be, at some point, you, you're throwing God in with this of doubting what God can do with you. Yes. Uh, and and it sound, that sounds like you're doubting you, but you're, you're at some point, if you're coming with the loaves and the fishes, yeah. yes, it's inadequate, but can God not do something with that? So yeah. at some point, you're doubting God right along with yourself at, no doubt. in this process. Well, to build on that, I think it actually goes back to something we talked about in the first question, which is that the very kind of um, Christian culture idea that more is more. Okay. Mm. So if I look at the, the feeding all the homeless in the city and giving them a warm bed and say, I'm probably not up to that task, that is humble, that is a godly virtue. So how much more humble must it be to write a Tumblr post about how I couldn't even get out of bed and make myself breakfast if I did not have the holy power of the fire of Jesus? Yeah. Right, because right. that's more. Yeah. That's I've scaled it all the way back to but you kind of as you're saying you lose all sense of proportion. proportion. Yeah. When in reality humility is the difference one of the differences between humility and kind of low self-esteem fear you're talking about is humility is an unemotion is not an emotional thing. Yes. It is actually right. a very unemotional look at the thing. Like in your, in your question, you say, can I pull this project off again? Well, you did the project last time. Yeah. Right. If this is the same kind of project, it's not unhumble at all to say, well, I did it when it was this set of put plugging this set of numbers into the spreadsheet. Yeah. So I'll plug this set of numbers in the spreadsheet. I have, right. I have clear empirical evidence that we've made it through this before. Mm. Now, as we're talking about, you know, you, all, in all things, you want to be in prayer, you want to be going to the Lord, look for smart ideas, but on some level, as Jed's saying, this isn't a spiritual thing. It's an, What you're doing is taking a, putting emotion into an unemotional situation mm-hmm. and equating that with putting spiritual stuff into a not exactly yeah. spiritual situation, and that's not really the same thing. As we talk about a lot on the podcast, emotionality and spirituality are not the same thing, and often, like in this case, can be at odds. Yes. Because one of the things humility does, especially like you're talking about in a workplace environment, and I can talk about my workplace environment, which is a little unique, one might say. <laughs> but here's the thing. When Glenn comes to me and says, I need you to preach the thing in the jailhouse on five minutes notice, there's actually no part of the thought process that goes, I don't know if I can do that. Right. Here's the thing. Glenn told me I'm doing it. Right. So it actually doesn't matter if I can do it or not. Right. Yeah. Because right. if I do a bad job, that will be not good. But right. if I go to Glenn and say, 
I just don't know about whether or not I can do it. That will be the same amount of not good. Right. Yeah. In both cases, as an employee, I am not fulfilling the duty before me. Right. So let's say you get the, you know, you get, you get the big account or whatever you do, and you say, I don't really know if I can pull this off. Humility is saying, I've never done anything like this before, so I'm going to put in a little extra hours. I'm going to, you know, offer to, you know, take the people in accounting, uh, you know, a nice steak dinner if they'll tell me the ins and outs of this i'm going to talk to the guy at another company about maybe i can pull the. i'm talking to my buddy from from grad school because i know yeah, he's doing the thing yeah, now yeah. that's humility is i don't really know about that i'm gonna put it on there it's not going to your boss and saying i just don't know if a humble servant like me is up to this because that's that dude gets fired just as quick as the yeah, dude who tries you. it and doesn't pull it all the way off and one yeah. of those that kind of as we've talked about a lot of the podcast getting caught up in the emotion of self-hatred and which is as we talked about is all based on fear is not even in the same ballpark as the same thing as humility oh absolutely no, absolutely not well can i throw in one final quick thing uh, this will help a lot it won't sound humble but go with me i think part of what you need here to get to actual humility and a transition out of as matt says low self-esteem and self-hatred you know you can do the project um you did the last project you can do this project that's actually not a question Ask God for a God-sized task. Seek out something that you know is bigger than you. This is what I'm saying. Get in over your head. Find something you are not qualified to do, but that you feel a burning in your heart to do something about for the Lord. And you're getting that advice from three dudes that are almost always in over our heads. Constantly. Constantly. And as you're starting on your first one, with us in, it'd be great if that's something that's not your livelihood. Yes. Let's start yeah. there. Yeah. I, and, I, and I understand, I'm talking as a volunteer. I'm not right. saying totally. quit your job. I'm saying, you know, as a volunteer, but get in over your head. Get sure. in some place where you don't... Let me let me guarantee you, a room full of middle schoolers who don't know the Lord is yeah. over your head. You betcha. And how. Th- this is the thing. As, you know, Glenn said, it's right, we're constantly in over our heads, and, and Lee, the same thing is true for him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... There's a tone of a person that's fronting, you know, kind of a false humility of, oh, it's not me, it's the Lord that did the Jenkins account. Then there's a sign of God that says, oh, I don't have any idea how to do this. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know where to start. Those are two very different things. And the thing is, when you experience that second one, that's going to give you context on the first one. When you, when you get in that room full of middle schoolers and you realize, I have no, this is a train wreck. I have no idea what to do with this. But you realize, well, obviously, I do know how to do the Jenkins account. So that actually, that's just I can relax with that. I need to put all of my attention and my prayer and my humility into getting wisdom on this middle school thing because I super don't know where to begin with that. Mm-hmm. Ask God to put you in over your head. And real quickly to add to that, there's a humble man is not afraid of failure. Yeah. Know? Because here's the thing is uh, if you have a self-focus, you know, a, 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 a sort of a pride issue or whatever those things are, uh, or or self doubt, which is just a, the opposite of the exact same thing. You have this mentality of I need success to show me who I am. I yeah. need it to to, and I need success to build me up. That, yeah. and that's the goal is to build me up. I'm I'm at self doubt, and success will rise me up to where I must accept my own personal awesomeness. Yeah. So you'll you'll go from low self esteem to inflated ego without passing any territory in between and stopping off. None of that has anything to do with humility. Yeah. Humility says you are a sinner saved by grace, period, the end. So you do not utterly deserve any of, your, of the blessings that God is giving you, but he gives them to you out of love. And everything that you could possibly seek or want in life is trumped by the fact that you're a child of the king. Yeah. I can uh, look if I get the Jenkins account. If I lose the Jenkins account, I'm still a child of the king. Let's yeah. put that into proportion. That's how a humble person reads that situation: is that I don't need the Jenkins account to tell me who I am. I yeah. don't, uh, and God will provide other opportunities. And uh, failure is a great teacher. Sure. I learn a lot from failure. <laughs> failure isn't going to kill you. Uh, either there there are things that for context see the first 30 episodes of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so i think that uh, i think it's about having uh a mentality where we can feel assertive on things and we can feel a, a bold confidence because i'm not expecting success to do something for me yeah yeah i'm already i, I look i i have i my reservation is made for eternal life in paradise the Jenkins account is a small thing by comparison, and I need to put that in the proper Absolutely perspective. Right. 
That's absolutely right. And also, just for those of you who wonder how long it's been since any of us have had a real job, if you have a job that involves going to an office and uh, wearing a suit and sitting in cubicles, w- uh, the closest we can get to that is we think you walk around all day talking about the Jenkins account. That's yes. Right. Yeah. It's vaguely informed by episodes of Bewitched we watched when we were kids <laughs> and with the big account. So uh, please don't correct us. We're happy thinking what we think. All right, we're going to move on to the last question here. This came to us from Superfan David. He says... I think my wife is the most beautiful, amazing girl I've ever met, but the world sends her a different message every day through magazines, TV shows, radio programs, internet stuff, etc. How can I protect and encourage her from these lies and pressure? I know I can't make her feel beautiful, but I want to help. Thanks. Glenn Marsh kicks off. Yep. The world is not to blame for this problem. <laughs> that is not a very Christian thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I, I could get a lot of mileage out of saying, you know, the... You know, these days, young people, young women are bombarded with images about what... Look, you know, here's the thing. Since the dawn of time, uh, people in in the culture have said this thing is beautiful. And that changes all the time. And it is what it is. None of us is a perfect uh, uh, picture of what society thinks is beauty. None of us. Yeah. Uh, I would be Hence willing. the photoshopping of supermodels. This is <laughs> hello, and I, I bet every supermodel can tell you a, a, a catalog of what they perceive to be their personal physical flaws. Yep. So the, the, there is no uh, winning that game. Uh, so playing it is the problem. Uh, but the thing that we need to recognize is the world did not tell your wife that she's unattractive. It may have said this is a, an attractive person that looks different from her or something like that. But she is telling herself that she's unattractive and she is the culprit. And she is the only one who can change that. Therefore, she bears a responsibility, not society, uh, and indeed not you. Uh, I think uh, the right way to look at this for you uh, might be to tell your wife that um, you wouldn't let a stranger. Uh, tell her that she's ugly. Yep. Therefore, you are not going to tolerate her telling herself that. Uh, she doesn't have a right to beat up on herself just because it's herself. Yep. That's still your wife, and you don't let anyone say those ugly things to your wife, not even her saying it to herself. So I, I think right away we need to redefine terms because there's a sense of being able to use the world as a scapegoat on that, and I, I don't think that really holds water. I think you're absolutely right. I will um, jump in on one thing you said there. We said no one told her she was unattractive, but I think it's absolutely right for the most people. But unfortunately, there are people we all know, people who listen to this podcast, who have a mother yeah. or a cheerleading oh, coach yeah. or someone who has yeah. said out loud the words, you are fat, ugly, whatever it is. Yeah. But, Jed, they still ha- you still people still have a choice in how they see themselves, even if they've had that something that horrific, and we want to be clear, not cool happen to them, right? Absolutely. Well, let's let's look at a, at a different example. I have been told verbatim, you are a failure. Right. I have a choice about whether or not I choose to see myself that way. Right. Um, I have been told verbatim, you can't cut it. Right. You can't, you are not good enough. You do not measure up. You cannot make it. Mm-hmm. I have a choice about whether or not I see myself as a failure. Um, right. uh, you can, you can say those words to me and they they hurt and they're uncool and yes if someone repeats a lie to you often enough you you do tend to believe it but today's a new day i can choose what i believe about myself um uh, identity on some level is a thing that we uh, decide every, every day when you get up you decide what clothes to put on without thinking about it every day when you get up you decide what identity you're going to wear that day you de- you decide the way that you're going to um to look at yourself you can look at yourself as a failure or ugly or you know whatever it is you can even if if it doesn't feel like you can you can choose something else you can choose a different identity um you can get that identity from the lord you can get that identity from you know a self-help book um but you have a, a choice in the way that you see yourself. And the reason that it's so important to be clear on that is I think when we get in a habit of thinking of ourselves a certain way, we forget that choice element. We, we make that yeah. choice so quickly and so um, out of habit that we, we don't even realize it's going on. Uh, but but the truth is, you always have a choice in the way that you see yourself. Um, it, it may take a minute to change it. It may be very, very hard work. But 
it is changeable. This you, you know, if you spent your whole life thinking of yourself as ugly, and maybe people told you that you were ugly, that can begin changing today. That that process right. may take a long time, but it can begin changing today. But it starts with recognizing that you have a choice in the matter. Right. Absolutely right. I think one of the other places that starts is re- is um, the idea of how much weight you give whose opinion. Yes. Hello. So there are magazine editors you've never met. There's your mom who may be um, dealing with something with issues. rhymes that witch on wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, absolutely deal with their own issues. Maybe you know the, the other girls who are mean to you in middle school. Uh, what we have here is you have a husband telling you you're. He finds you attractive enough to marry, like, yeah. forever and stuff. Oh, that seems important. Sure. So, and then you say, yeah, but there were the girls in middle school who were mean to me, which we're not trying to discount the emotional scarring that I did at the time. But right. as Jed pointed out, this is a new day, and yeah. we are grown people. And mm-hmm. part of this, we talk about a lot about the podcast about enabling, and part of this is not part of dealing with people who have low self-esteem is you want to be sensitive to that. You want to understand that that comes from a place, but you don't want to enable it. That's and Glenn, exactly. can you talk about a little bit about that in general? Yeah, I think the whole idea is, uh, and, and I think maybe this is something we want to make clear. When we're talking to people about, we can sort of put a big umbrella over all this and say that these are insecurity issues, you know, or the body image issues and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's under the heading of insecurity. And the, the thing about insecurity is people can talk about insecurity in a way where they're clearly fishing for a compliment and fishing for talking me out of my insecurity. And on other occasions, they can be talking about their insecurity that's kicking them in the behind as they're doing everything they can to fight to get out from underneath. Mm-hmm. And, and often those two things can sound kind of similar. Yep. That's the tricky part. So yep. when I'm listening to someone talk about insecurity, I'm listening really close on, you know, if someone says, you know, I got up this morning, I turn on the TV, and there's an ad, and there's a commercial, and there's a thing, and there's a woman on there, and I think, you know, my body's never going to look like that, and I feel really down about myself and whatever. Okay, so, okay, that's... That all makes sense. That makes sense. I, I track that. Uh, it's not really grounded in reality, but we're talking about emotional stuff, and that's you know, and it's not coming from your husband who said in church, "You're the only woman I ever want to have sex with again." So that's pretty much a really giant vote of confidence. But we're going to pass that by too, and just say yes on an emotional level. Sometimes these these things occur to us, and it come you come by it naturally, and your mom and the thing, and with the little you know high school girls, and they were mean, and all of that. But what I'm listening for next is. For someone to tell me either, so I I thought I would call you up for an encouraging word about uh, my body image so you can tell me that I'm pretty and so I don't think that I'm ugly. That's enabling. The same person could say something very similar and say, so I called you up so so that you could give me a A different perspective. Yeah, a different way of looking at this. And and tell me why I'm thinking this and what I should be thinking instead. Tell me what and, God says about it. Exactly right. So um, it, those two can sound pretty similar, but they're actually radically different things. Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing about that is they can even sound similar to the person saying them. Yeah. If you've never had either the health, if you've never taken the time to differentiate between, you know, the model of healthy versus unhealthy. Right. So th- that's the that's the main thing. Is somebody comes to me insecure about their looks, uh, and say, um, I have a, a, a body image issue and I saw a commercial or whatever, whatever, and I'm feeling bad about it. I do not say you are pretty yeah, because now I am reinforcing that you need me to tell you mm-hmm. that I'm setting up a dependency. I'm setting up an enabling kind of relationship. I and I haven't helped in any way. Yeah, you need to think you're pretty. That's the problem here. I already thought you were pretty. You already know I thought you were pretty. The the, the thing is, why am I not uh, communicate or why are you not able to see that within yourself? And how do we get that figured out? Well, I think that goes to that idea Jed was talking about earlier about the moment of choice. If we take the example you have, you know, I got up and I saw the you know the workout commercial or the whatever, and it was all these these uh, girls who were you know looked a certain way and it made me think of the time my mom said she which I looked like my sister and so the way I looked and that really stung, but we haven't really gotten to a choice yet. Yeah, 
Yes. There's the choice of what you're going to do with that stimulus, what kind of confirmation you're going to seek out of that. To that point, Jed, can you walk us through? Um, there was a gal who used to work for you guys who had a very kind of elaborate looking in the mirror ritual with the uh, angel telling herself the other thing. Yes. Yeah. We uh, we did. Uh, a sweet gal. She's passed away a few years ago now, but she um, had been through some very very rough stuff in mm-hmm. her life. But she would um, she would start. Uh, her day every day by getting up and I, I assume in her skivvies and just kind of looking herself in the mirror up and down saying I love myself I love myself and the thing about that is I think it's important to, to note what she was well and to be clear we're uh, just to give you a little context not to overcook it but we're talking about a body ravaged by uh, drug abuse and sexual abuse and the HIV virus That's correct. yeah th- this was uh, this guy was not gonna be on a magazine covers uh, we can mm-hmm. we can all be clear on that but when she when she said I love myself here's what she was and wasn't saying she was saying I accept what I see in this mirror I don't mm-hmm. I don't reject any any part of me. That's not to say I you know I in a perfect world I wouldn't like to have higher cheekbones or something because right. because that's actually that's a, a really it's a different thing and a surface thing. When when Angel looked in the mirror and she said I love myself, she was saying I accept who I am. Right, and that's as we we're talking about it deals with the last couple of questions. That's actual humility. That's Absolutely. that's actual, honest to God, godly humility. It's not that I think all of this is exactly the way I would design it. It's I'm not the one who designed it. Right. And I accept the design I see before me. Right. That's, that, right. that's what she's actually saying in that moment. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. That Then that's the, the, as we've been talking about, the overarching idea with the theme and humility. And part of any self, particularly physically, self-image issue you have, part of working through that and part of in pertaining to this question, helping your wife work through that is we've got to get to the point where you got to go angrily to God and say, so you didn't make me with the high cheekbones. What the heck's up with that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because that's where all this lands on some level. And that's not a, that's not a particularly quick process, but you've got to, at the end of the day, if you believe that there is a God who is omnipotent and omnipresent who made you, then all the stuff he did was on purpose. Yeah. Right. Now, you could not like that. We all have things, you know, as Jed's saying, surface things, physical things, even to the point of ailments and abilities that we say, I really wish this had gone a different way, but to let that drive your life is just not really the way we're going to go with this, which this points to something both Jed and Glenn have talked about is when you're dealing with insecurity stuff, you have to get to the so what factor. Yeah. Thank you. You know, there's women, there's, you know, professional actresses and, you know, models who look this way and I like that way couple things first of all and again we're we're granting all the all this goes under the umbrella of we're not expecting you to say this in the moment because yeah. you're having an emotional reaction right right and right. guys deal with the same stuff it's not exactly the same thing but everybody deals with they see something it pings an immediate emotional reaction and then yeah. you have a choice what to do with it so one is first of all those women don't look like that either yeah that's right and as close as close as they get to looking like that is having personal chefs and trainers and makeup artists and many, many, many people who make seven figure salaries based on how attractive this person looks Yeah. yeah. at any given time. But also what effect is this having on your life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're married to a guy you like, who is Glenn is pointing out is sexually attracted to you and your health is fine and mm-hmm. you can, you know, wear the clothes you want to wear and all that stuff. I mean, it makes sense to still, you know, everybody has that moment where, you know, they put on five pounds because, you know, they, there was a lot of cake involved over the Christmas week. And you go, well, I really wish I, if we're going to be honest, I wish I had, you know, done a little, one more jog and one less round of the cake. So maybe we right. can move on on that. But you have to look at it and say, is this, is the effect this is having on my life worth the emotional energy yeah. I'm putting into it? Yeah. Well, and if I could jump in there, I think here's the thing that we have to remind ourselves is what happens if this goes unchecked? If you just let this play out, Mm -hmm. here's the next thought that comes down your mind right after I'm not a physically attractive person is my husband's probably lying to me when he says he's physically attracted to me. He's just saying that to boost my feelings. That's not an insulting thought to have about your husband at all. No. The next thought behind that is probably he's going to leave me for a better looking woman. Only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Uh, and since he's going to break up with me eventually, I ought to go ahead and break up with him sure. and divorce him just to save myself the heartache because clearly he's not physically attracted to me anymore. 
this is the exact road that you are on now. If this sounds like a person who's heard those exact words from couples <laughs> he was counseling. I mean, endless, endless, endless times I've heard this stuff. This is, so you, you're on that road now. You want to get off this road. Yes. Uh, because further down, it gets way worse, way quick. Uh, it's important to recognize uh, when you have someone who loves you and is, per- and, and is devoted the rest of his life to you, uh, when, when for heaven's sake, oh, you've got a couple of married dudes sitting here. When you get to a point of marriage, your, your self-image definitely needs to change and, yep. and, and alter with reality of, hey, guess what? You, you, you know, I may not be the hottest guy in the room, but uh, you're stuck with me now. Yes. So that's how that goes, you know. And uh, I need to maintain a certain phys- physical uh, shape or whatever, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yeah. And we're both happy with the choices that we've made, and uh, neither of us is the, the 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 perfect image of perfection. But we see beauty in each other because of that love. Yeah, that's what you have to keep coming back to. But you, as the husband, need to lay this out for her and say, uh, "This insecurity is a bag of rocks. You drop that bag of rocks. You don't ask me to give you sympathy." Or I have how heavy the the bag of rocks is. If you don't if you don't like carrying them bag of rocks, yep. you turn loose of it. Yeah. Now, now if you want sympathy for how hard it is to turn loose of to it, to turn loose sure. of it, how hard it is to stay in a mindset where you're not going. Maybe back that people to that, keep throwing bags of rocks at you. Yeah. Then yes, absolutely, maximum strength help on that. But uh, kind of like we were talking about with the last uh, uh, question, balls in your court. You know, you move forward and give me a chance to support you. Well, to build on that, I think one of the things that helps a lot, if we're going to be clear, one of the lies, and this is true with all kinds of insecurity, but it's definitely true with body image stuff. One of the lies that I suspect is in your wife's head is the idea of first we got to get to a place of uh, we got to sort out this question of am I or am I not attractive? Then we can deal with the rest of life. But we got to We got to get this thing settled first. And that's the wrong answer. That's a hundred percent will not work. In, in fact, the one thing that is not on the table is beginning with any form of um, emotional arrival about this issue. Because um, if you feed the insecurity, you'll never have emotional arrival. And the actual way forward doesn't begin with emotional arrival. So we, we have to make peace with the fact we're going to move forward from a place of feeling emotionally unsettled about this. We're, we're not going to feel a sense of, of emotional arrival before we can move forward. But here's one of the ways we move forward is the thought experiment. If you woke up tomorrow and you just knew you were the hotness, you just... You just had no doubts at all about your attractiveness. You just knew you were a stone-cold fox. What kind of life would you live? Yeah. What would you do? Where, where would you go? How would you fill your days? Um, you know, what kind of friends would you have? What kind of ministry would you do? Would you be a good wife? Would you be a good wife? Um, you, know, let's, you know, let's plot the whole thing out. Let's figure out if I woke up tomorrow and I just knew, you know, mm-hmm. I was looking good. If, that, yeah. if that's the, the way my head was at, what kind of life would I live? And now the thing is, let's just go live that life. Because yeah. Yeah. what we're going to find is that nothing on that list depends on uh, being uh, believing that I look good. Actually, right. not a single item on that list depends on it. Right. And if, we're gonna, if we will get busy with living that life, that good life that we may find is a full and abundant life like the Lord has mm-hmm. for us, we're, what we're going to find is not that we stop caring about the body image stuff, but we have less time and attention to devote yes, to it. Yes, and yes, then yeah. we wake up one day and we realize, man, I haven't really thought about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. And that's the victory. Yeah, you be, you're lost in building the other person. Exactly out. right. Exactly right. And, and building the life that the Lord has for you and has for you together in this good life. And you just don't have time to mm-hmm. uh, uh, waste worrying about this issue. Well, plus, if you're, if you're focused on, on the other person and building them up, you know they're pleased with you. Yeah. So that you know you you're you're an attractive person in the biggest sense, you know, yeah. That you that 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 you matter and that you're important. Yeah. You know that stuff's beyond physical beauty. Yeah. There there are a lot of beautiful women that your husband doesn't want to have anything to do with because they're crazy and their head cases and they're selfish and self obsessed and all that. But uh, having someone that he's attracted to that wants to serve him and help him and lift him up, well, that's a huge huge attractive no thing. And if you're doing that, you'll know that about yourself, yeah. and there's a confidence to that. Yeah. Well, that's all great stuff. I will, as always, as I often do on the show, put out a warning to the young brethren amongst us. 
If you don't have Uncle Glenn levels of game and delivery, I wouldn't try that bag of rocks line. <laughs> Internalize that. Then in yeah. a much more subtle, you have to be mushy subtle. way. You got to be That's married right. for a long time yeah. and have a whole lot of whole lot of experience in places right. where you might get stabbed yeah. for you know, that's yeah. just a bag of rocks why don't you drop it instead of complaining to me about it right yeah you, so that's a, that's a general warning over the things yeah. on the podcast that's right. we, we encourage you to steal and use these lines yeah. in your everyday life but just know when you're out of your depth that's yeah. right that's right all right if you have a question for us you can find us at say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge chicago.tumblr.com as always if you leave us a message on the tumblr make sure you mention the podcast so we know you want it answered on here instead of the blog remember you can always find our bridge podcast that comes out every monday that's a free digital worship service that songs from jed lee and some other friends of ours who've given don't donated their time and energy to making stuff for Bridgebox that we'll throw up on there sermons from glenn and i'll pop on there pop up on there occasionally we also have our heavy metal version of that podcast the bridge loud which comes out every friday just to be clear when i say heavy metal version of that podcast it's the same idea it's not the same sermons it's not the same songs it's all different stuff so you can listen to both if you like that kind of heavy music but that comes out every Friday. You also have missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash BBLY. We're going to take out the song this week, talking a lot about uh, security and body image stuff. So this is a song Jed wrote called Made in the Image of the Lord, and this is kind of a uh, foot-stompy, banjo-heavy, Mumfordy version, which we know a lot of folks like. We're going to take out with that. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing to do. To say that podcast, it's Hope Couture for your soul. 